We love a good corporate own goal, unusable, don't we? And we've found one this time. <laughs> Boy, we found one. Uh, this is from little-known sportswear and sports equipment company Nike. Is that what Nike. it's called? Yeah, yeah, it's Nike called, if you're something. French, I think. Yeah, just do it. Might ring a bell. Something yeah. rings a bell. And um, so, look, obviously, we've just had the Women's World Cup. It was an absolute extravaganza. It lit the world alight for a month. And uh, it made some players absolutely household names. You know, they're really famous in mm. the world of sport at the moment. And so, naturally, fans, many fans, want to get shirts of these players. They want to get merched up. Of course you do, right? <laughs> but Nike, they are refusing to manufacture the jersey of big stars of the tournament, Mary Earps from England. The, the Golden, Golden Glove, Glove winner, yeah. no less. Saved a penalty in the final. Indeed, and a glorious penalty. But she's, and you know, a hero to probably millions of Britons for that penalty save alone. And they're just refusing to make her jersey and sell it to people. Like, you can make it and then you can make money. They get this, right? They get this. It's just it's supply and demand 101, but they are, Nike are saying that they will consider this for future tournaments, but they don't have any plans to make her jersey right now for people that want it. Uh. Her, apparently, her she plays for Manchester United as her club team. That jersey is one of the top selling shirts on the website for Man United, and yet Nike say, mm, "I just don't know." About it's so this. bizarre to me, and there must be some sort of explanation. If anybody knows the logic of what's going on within Nike at the moment, please do get in touch with us because I am struggling to wrap my head around this. Anyway. Let's get on with the show. Kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Emil. And I'm Jess, and this is what's worth talking about. Staff at Immigration New Zealand say they were told to speed up visas, opening migrant workers to exploitation. Also, we've got the lowdown on Donald Trump's latest spot of legal bother in Georgia, where he's going to have to fork out big bucks just to make bail. Why, oh why, has Steve Hansen opted to help the Wallabies for this World Cup? And calling everyone who wants to sleep in a disaster relief tent, eat cheese sandwiches and listen to no music at a music festival, Fire Festival 2.0 is on sale now. All that coming up in a moment here on Usable. Usable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. Immigration New Zealand appears to be fighting off yet another round of accusations it hasn't done enough to protect migrant workers from exploitation. The Immigration Minister has already asked for urgent checks to see if the accredited employer work visa is working properly after 115 migrants were found living in just six small houses. The scheme has been described as working on a high-trust model. Now, staff reporter Steve Kilgallen has spoken to immigration staff who say they were ignored even though they've been warning their managers for a year that the visa is a recipe for migrant exploitation. Steve joins us now. Kia ora. Sure. Tell us a bit about these accusations, first of all. Where are they coming from? And have you got more than one source saying the same thing here? So this visa came in a year ago, in about May. And the way it functions is it, it does rely on the honesty of the employer. Um, it's a self-declaration model. So if the employer says they're a good employer, then they, they tend to get the visa. That caused concerns from the start in the sector, not just among staff, but among uh, immigration advisors and advocates and some of the opposition immigration spokespeople. And so I've had two staff come to me. I won't give you too many details about who they are to protect with anonymity, but they're both experienced and they've been concerned for a long time. And they say that lots of other staff feel the same as them. I've heard from intermediaries who've spoken to other staff who say the same. And then obviously there was a whistleblower who went to Immigration Minister Andrew Little to prompt all of this. So it would be fair to say there's um, 
there's a lot of discontent within emigration New Zealand at the moment about this this visa system. So what do your sources say that's going on? So this visa replaced five or six different visas. And the idea was it would streamline the system down. I think at the time, Immigration New Zealand was under a lot of pressure to speed up immigration processing times. Coming out of COVID, there was this uh, perceived need for a lot of migrant workers. Um, and I think the response within Immigration New Zealand has been to try and speed things up. What they're saying is that's come at the cost of doing proper checks. So there's various gateways at which a migrant's application should be checked. They're saying that each one, the, the buck's been passed, it's been kicked along. And in the majority of cases, no checks are made. And that's really uh, come from a directive from the very top. There was a, what's called a general instruction from the uh, Deputy Secretary of Immigration, Alison McDonald, last year, which talked about the levels of checks that they could do on various visa categories. And it essentially said for low and medium risk to do almost no checks and for high risks, limited checks unless you went to your manager and asked permission to do more. So what they're saying is supported by documentary evidence. Steve, I guess the, the, the nub of the story, the heart of the story, I suppose, is the idea that unscrupulous employers are taking advantage of immigration laws. And so tell us a bit about some of the stories you have heard about migrants under this system. I've been, so I've been covering migrant exportation for about five years. Um, and it'd be fair to say, no matter what the system, migrant exportation happens. Mm-hmm. What, what I came to realise earlier this year was that it was happening uh, much more substantially under this new system. So I've re- I wrote stories early in the year, particularly about the, the Chinese community. A lot of Chinese construction workers were paying premiums of $30,000 to offshore agents who promised them you know, jobs and residency. When they got here, either the job didn't match up or they were dismissed after a few days and they were left in, in really dire straits. One guy in particular, Bao Guao, who I've written about a few times, could only afford to eat instant noodles twice a day. A stuff reader saw the story and gave him a job. It'd be fair to say most cases don't have that same mm. happy ending. Various other reporters, to be fair, have pursued this and discovered cases in the Bangladeshi, the Nepali, the Indian, Malaysian, Indonesian, South American communities. So it's a really, really widespread issue. What does Immigration New Zealand have to say about all that, Steve? Not a huge amount. When I first went to them, they declined an interview and declined to answer questions. They changed their mind when I put some specifics to them. So I've had a statement from Alison McDonald which says that they listen to their staff and they listen to concerns and that they'll take them on board and, and that kind of thing, and they support the review. I think what, what the issue immigration does not have is the statistics don't speak kindly for them. 96% of all visas that have been applied for on the system have been approved. All but two employers who applied were approved. Only six have been revoked, and we're talking over a huge amount of applications. Mm. So you can see it's been a really light-touch regime that's coming to bite them in the bottom, as many people predicted it would. Steve Gugelin, thank you so much. Thanks. Now, this story has caused some fiery debate amongst our podcast team, I can tell you that, but we need to know your thoughts. Is it okay that Steve Hansen has popped over the ditch for a few days to help prepare the Wallabies, the Wallabies for the World Cup, or, as the Prime Minister suggested, should we cancel his citizenship? You can find us on TikTok or Insta, that's where the poll's going to go, or search Newsable NZ. And if you want to go old school, you can send us an email, newsable at stuff.co.nz. So as we've talked about on the show previously, Trump is in a spot of legal bother. Okay, several spots of legal bother. In fact, he's in a sense, he's in a positively submerged bath of legal bother. It's hard to keep track of. 
The 45th president of the US is facing indictments in four separate cases. There have been developments in one of those cases pertaining to voter fraud in the state of Georgia during the 2020 election. So, Emil, as our resident Trump legal issues enthusiast, tell me about the situation. Okay, so... Uh, Let's get up to speed first of all. This particular indictment accuses Donald Trump and 18 other as yet unnamed defendants of illegally scheming to overturn the 2020 election loss. And it's been sparked partly by a leaked phone call in which Trump tells Georgia's top election official to, quote, find 11,780 votes, end quote, which is the exact number that he lost the state by. Um, Just down the couch. Exactly, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, so there are a bunch of charges here. There are 13 in total. Some of them are usually used to prosecute organised crime cases, actually. Um, uh, they are part of the RICO legislation, uh, and the most serious of them carries a penalty of 20 years in prison. Um, yes. So Trump has to turn himself into the authorities to face these charges. And on Monday, US time, his lawyers and the district attorney in Georgia came to an agreement about the amount that he will have to pay to be released on bail. Mm. So that amount is nearly 400000 uh, New Zealand dollars, which is a lot of money to a lot of people, yeah. but uh, is actually about 0.008 of 1% of Donald Trump's net worth, or at least reported net worth. Right. Um, well, that he could find down the back of the couch there. <laughs> indeed. Uh, this agreement also set a number of conditions for him that he has to abide by in order to get bail. Uh, he is barred from, quote, intimidating co-defendants, witnesses or victims, uh, which seems sensible. And there is an explicit mention that that includes posts on social media or reposts of posts made by others. Good luck with that. Friday, US time is the deadline for Trump to turn himself in, and there are reports circulating in the US media that uh, they expect him to turn himself in on Thursday. Well, with all that going on then, he can't be doing too well in his hopes to be the next Republican nominee. You would think so. You would think so, wouldn't you, Jason? You would be wrong. (laughs) You would be very, very, very wrong. Uh, This has not harmed his popularity one jot. Uh, a poll on Monday from CBS News shows Trump has an overwhelming advantage in the race to be the Republican candidate for uh, next year's election. 62% of respondents were backing him. That is way ahead of second place uh, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida. Oh, my goodness. So what, the, the next election is actually just going to be another round of Trump versus Biden? Yes, the sequel, oh. and probably the worst sequel since Police Academy 4. Unbelievable. They're all the same except four years older. Coming up, if Taylor Swift's concert was the must-have ticket for next year, this is surely the opposite. It's Fire Festival Part 2. Slogan, why would you? But while you're here, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, do chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. It really helps other people to find us as well. Hey, Chris. Yes. Do you want another very broad question? I've got a very broad question today. Go on, then. What do you know about sports? Up the wires, go the Black Caps, and don't forget Premier League football. Oh, you do love a bit of Premier League footage, do. don't you? What team is it that you support again? Oh, the current champions, Manchester City. I think they're pronounced Arsenal. It's pronounced Arsenal. Uh, but you know what's good about football? It what? They don't regulate soccer. I'm sorry? There's a sport that regulates sock height? Indeed there is, and it's cycling. That's very strange. Why on earth do they regulate it? Well, I know, but if you want to find out, you'll have to listen to the Big Stuff Quiz. 
wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, that's a cliffhanger indeed. The Big Stuff Quiz is brought to you by Melbourne Every Bit Different. In breaking news, the World Cup winning rugby coach Steve Hansen may have his passport shredded in a public ceremony of humiliation after it emerged he has been helping the Wallabies boo, hiss, to prepare for the upcoming World Cup. The Wallabies. This punishment was in fact suggested by the Prime Minister Chris Hipkins himself. Have a listen. I think we should cancel his citizenship. No, that's a, that's a joke, just to be very clear. Um, <laughs> All right, so that was probably a joke, but the news of Hanson's moonlighting is very much true, and this has ignited a fierce debate throughout the country about whether Hanson is betraying Aotearoa by helping the enemy. Paul Kelly is the Sunday Star Times sports editor, and he's with us now. Kia ora. G'day, Emil. How are you? I'm well. Well, I mean, am I well, Paul? Am I outraged? Um, no, not really. I mean, how outraged are you on a scale of 1 to 10? Oh, look, I think there's a couple of ways of looking at it, isn't there? There's the there's a Dean Cole's way, which was an absolutely priceless reaction. Well, actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, like a, is, like in camp, kind of set up. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> he, has, he has to turn up to the game. A few days. He might yeah. not be paid. What are your thoughts? Shit, what are you up to? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hurts a little bit, to be fair. Um... Oh, yeah, I'm a goldsmith. And the other way to look at it is that, you know, Steve Hansen's a big boy. He doesn't work for New Zealand rugby anymore. He's been long-time friends with Eddie Jones, and he's lending a hand, and um, no problems with that. But I, I, I can't understand why initially New Zealanders were a little bit uneasy. Um, I think the reaction's been absolutely brilliant, and it, it tells you something unique about New Zealand as a rugby country. There's an alarmingly phlegmatic response from you, Paul. Um uh, I'll, I'll give you another go. On a scale of 1 to 10, how outraged are you? Well, people should be queuing at the airports right now to prevent his uh, re-entry to New Zealand, put it that way. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Good man. No, look, this is hilarious. I agree with you. It's The the the, um, the response has been very amusing. I mean, what's the backstory here? We know Hanson has a friendship with Eddie Jones, the Wallabies coach, but did this kind of come out of the blue? Um, well, it's obviously been in planning for a little while. I don't know exactly when it when it happened, but you know, Steve's relationship with New Zealand rugby after two thousand and nineteen hasn't been all rosy. I mean, he he's had a crack at them a couple of times, uh, particularly last year around the treatment of of Ian Foster, who's another one of his mates. So without trying to get into his mind, I, I'd imagine he's thinking, well, you know, m- my loyalties. I've eased a little bit. Uh, Eddie's give me a call up, and you know, quite fancy a you know a week in Paris in summertime. Um, all of those combinations, and he'll you know he'll add something. Steve Hansen's a, a brilliant selector and a very smart rugby man. And I guess we should dist- we should draw a distinction there between New Zealand rugby and the All Blacks. Is that relevant here? Yeah, two very different organisations at the minute. There's a bit of a gap between them. So, Anson feels he's been disloyal to the All Blacks at all. I think he's spoken to Ian Foster beforehand. Um, but, you know, there is that little bit of tension with New Zealand rugby, no doubt about that. I put it to you as well, Paul, that New Zealanders have this oddly parochial attitude towards people who we consider our own. Um, and, and it does kind of jar when they decide to go and do something out, outside the country? I have to laugh at it. I, I love the New Zealanders' reaction towards this. You know, When you boil it down, it really captures what New Zealand is about when it comes to rugby. Not allowed to work for anybody else. 
nobody else is allowed to come here and work for the All Blacks unless you're a New Zealander. I mean, <laughs> that's the sort of passion um, that will sustain the game for many years going forward. So, you know, pour all that fuel on the fire. I think it's fantastic. Here we go. That's the plan. Paul Kelly, thank you very much. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So, for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Mel, I want to take you back to the year 2017. 17, 17, 17. President Trump, he was still on Twitter. Uh The UK was still in Europe. And a bunch of people got tricked to going to the Fire Festival. Is any of that ringing any bells? Yeah, yeah. It was a great year, wasn't it? I I, I look (laughs) upon it with such fondness and nostalgia now. It was really the first big Netflix documentary I remember, actually, on this Fire Festival. I don't know if anyone else remembers it, but it was infamous because the people that attended some of these people had paid tens of thousands of dollars because it had been sold to them on Instagram as this wild, amazing festival. Mm-hmm. But they arrived to find an, a not enough tents. And those tents were disaster relief tents, the type used to house people after hurricanes. They had beer mattresses just out in the open, in the in the environment. And there were cheese sandwiches instead of the promised gourmet food that they were hoping for. I do feel sorry for them, but I also feel like this is kind of the epitome of schadenfreude. It was like, beautiful. It was beautiful. I loved it. I loved it. I couldn't get enough of it when it was going on. I think some of the artists didn't get paid as well. And they were like, we've got absolutely no clue what was going on here. It was a magnificent moment in time. But the guys who organised it, they got into a bit of strife over it, right? They did. In fact, the Billy McFarland, he was the main one. He got sent to prison for four years and he came out in May 2022. And that's kind of where I want to pick the story up because he's doing it again. Fire Festival round two. Round two. I mean... Unbelievably, he's trying to sell tickets to this for 800 New Zealand dollars. Currently, there's no location, no date, no artists. I mean, who on earth is buying tickets to this? But you can. Tickets are on sale now. I mean, to be, to be fair, considering the prices for the tickets to the OG Fire Festival, 800 bucks is an absolute bargain, isn't it? Yeah, he has actually uh, put a significant discount based on the reviews of the first <laughs> festival. But I just don't think if anyone's missed out on like the Eras Tour and they're looking to put their money into some other festival, that this is the one that you need to sell yourself on. Save your money for something good and just let this guy go back into obscurity. I would love it so much if this all turned out to be an elaborate performance art piece, like when Joaquin Phoenix pretended to be a rapper for six months. you remember that? Barely, yeah. That's the only way that this is saveable, yeah, I think. It's glorious. It's glorious. Anyway, good luck to the people who do go to the Fire Festival. Uh, caveat emptor, let the buyer beware. But that is News of All for today. I'm Emil Donovan. And I'm Jessica McCarthy. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you tomorrow. If you like this podcast, please support our work visit stuff.co.nz support.